grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. It's a little odd to have two gospel readings uh, on a Sunday, and so uh, I did it for a really good reason. Or at least I did it for a really good reason for, for me. So here's the reason. The first reading was the Palm Sunday reading from John chapter 12. And Jesus enters triumphantly into the capital city of Jerusalem. We had the second reading because that's where we're at in our series on the Gospel of John. And we were at this point in Jesus' crucifixion. And so while seven chapters separate John 12 and John 19, in the timeline, it's less than a week that separates Jesus' incredible entry into Jerusalem and his death on a cross just outside the city limits. It's an incredible contrast. And so I wanted to take some time today just to talk about the, the, the contrast between these two events that take place less than one week apart. On Palm Sunday, we have what's arguably Jesus' best day, one of his best days ever. You know, he, he walks into Jerusalem, he rides on a donkey, he is triumphant, the crowds are praising his name, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It's one of his best days. We think Christmas is Jesus' best day? It's up there, but not one of his best. Palm Sunday and then Easter is one of his, is his best day ever. And the crowds are praising his name. Now Jesus does not need this. Jesus is the most humble person who ever walked the face of the earth. He is God in the flesh. It's not as if he needs an ego boost. But what the crowds are doing, it's appropriate. It's right. It's good. And they praise his name. It's good to praise someone. It's good to praise someone who deserves it. It's good to give that person honor and just cheer, right? Imagine Imagine if after the Broncos won the Super Bowl, right? Imagine if Von Miller came to church here. Wouldn't that be cool? Right? Maybe you'd be like, you'd sit, Von Miller would sit down and be like, I'm going to sit right in front of him. Like, smile. Like, you know? We'd start singing, All glory, Lord, and honor to you, Von Miller. Right? You know you would. You know you would. Be fun. So the praise that Jesus receives is the praise he should have been getting from the day he was born. This is how it should have been. But it isn't until Palm Sunday. Finally, everything is right in the world. His world. But not for long. Which brings us to our second reading. It's less than a week later, and there is a different crowd the pre previous, the Palm Sunday crowd was from the region around Jerusalem, Galilee, where Jesus had done many miracles and teachings and healings. This crowd is from Jerusalem. They barely know Jesus. All they know is he threatens their security, their power, their way of seeing the world. And so they have him put to death. It's not good. And it's not right. And in the middle of this excruciating pain on the cross, in the midst of having all the sin of the world, your sin and my sin, and the sin of the world placed upon his bruised and beaten and whipped shoulders, in the midst of being, uh, having the God the Father turn his back on his only son, 
Jesus thinks about his mom. That's our text for today. He makes sure his mom's taken care of. It's an odd text because in the Middle Eastern culture back then, and even so today, it's the job of the oldest son to take care of the parents. And if that son passes away, it falls to the next son in line. But Jesus assigns John, his disciple, the job. And we think it's because at this point, Jesus' half-brothers did not believe in Jesus. They didn't accept him. They don't do that until after the resurrection. After the resurrection, they, they, they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. But before the resurrection, they weren't so sure. James, Jesus' half-brother, goes on to leave the early Christian church in Jerusalem and is killed in the same city that Jesus was. It's not right. It's not good. They're two completely different texts. One is Jesus on one of his best days, and the other is Jesus on his absolute worst day ever. But life is like that, isn't it? One moment, life is, is great, right? You know, family is good, right? The job is just rolling. Uh, uh, everything, everybody's healthy, right? And someone asks you, how's it going? And you say, oh, it's going pretty good. And you actually mean it. And then sometimes it's a week later, sometimes a little bit longer, and, and things aren't going so well. The family's struggling. The job is stressful. Someone is really, really sick. And someone asks you, how's it going? And you say, well, no, I'm hanging in there. But you don't mean it at all because you're barely hanging on. And so, how do we do that? How do we walk with Jesus in the midst of the highs and the lows of life? So I have a couple ideas to share with you. The first is this. There we go. There it goes. Give, give to God. Give to God. Give everything to God. I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. Um, when I first started preaching 17 years ago, I was absolutely terrified. Terrified. I couldn't sleep the night before. I'd, I'd get ready to preach, and about five minutes before I was supposed to walk up, I would have this voice in my head, this, this spiritual warfare, and the voice was, you are terrible. You are horrible. Why would anyone want to listen to you. It's hard stuff. A couple years later, I got more experience, got more, just kind of figured things out. The voice changed. A couple years later, the voice said stuff like this. You are great. You are fantastic. Why wouldn't everyone want to come and listen to you. And the second temptation was worse than the first. I, I quickly learned that I had to give everything to God. Everything. At first, I had to give God my, my fears and my insecurities and my failures. I had to give that all to God. I had to trust God to provide. I had to trust God to lead. I had to trust God that he would, he would guide. And sometimes I had to trust God to comfort because it was that bad, right? I just had to give it all to God. Say, Lord God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. But afterwards, I had to give everything else to God, too. 
I had to give God my pride. I had to give God my pride and my self-righteousness. I had to give that to God and say, God, you've got to crucify this. Because the more I walk in pride, the more I increase, Lord, the, less, the more you decrease. And that happened in my preaching. It happened in my words, just everyday words. And it happened in my life. And that's true of everyone. It's true of all of you. Whatever you're going through, great success or humbling failure, whatever you're going through, you have to give it all to God. That you give God your fears and your struggles and your sins. You give that to God. You let God be your comfort. You allow God to love you. You allow God to provide for you. You allow God to be your security and your shield. But at the same time, you give God your pride. You give God your success, your accomplishments, your skills, your gifts, your talents. You give it all to Him. You say, Lord God, this is yours because none of this could be possible without you. And you, Lord, are my provider. You, Lord, are the source of my identity and meaning in life because all this other stuff is going to fail me eventually. But Lord, you never will. So you give it to God. The second is you give to others. When you're going through a hard time, the first casualty is your heart. When you're going through a hard time, the first thing that goes is your heart starts getting calcified. It gets hard. And you see people around you and they're going, something happens to them, you're like, wow, that's tough. But I got my own problems. Or even, well, that's horrible, but there's no way I can help you because I got this issue. And the issue becomes your identity and your focus. Jesus' words to Mary on the cross are powerful. Because he's going through, you know, you could call it a pretty bad day, pretty trying circumstance. You might call it the cross and that. In the midst of it all, he takes care of his mom. a great thing to be able to show compassion in the smallest of ways. Because when you're going through a hard time, the margins are thin, right? You don't have a whole lot of time, you don't have a whole lot of money, and you don't have a whole lot of ability to carry other people's loads when you're going through a hard time. But you have to do it a little bit. Just a little bit. Because it'll keep your heart soft. And it'll keep you in a place where you can receive Jesus' love for you. Because if your heart gets too hard, you just get bitter. Instead of being angry at the circumstances, you start getting angry at God. You're like, Lord God, why is this happening? Instead of saying, Lord God, where are you in the midst of all this junk in my life? And so it's great to give to God everything. To give to others just a little bit, just to keep your heart soft. And third... Third. There we go. Give to the resurrection. You give everything to the resurrection. You give everything to Jesus Christ who died and rose for you. You give to the resurrection. How many of you think of heaven as like fluffy clouds and harp playing? Have you seen that image of heaven before? There's like some someone like a cherub wearing like a diaper playing a harp and sitting on a cloud, right? And you're like, man. That looks like hell. I don't want to go there. Right? I don't know. No. I want to give you this great news. 
The Bible never describes heaven like that. Ever. It's never people in diapers playing harps sitting on clouds. Ever. Here's the good news. When the Bible describes heaven, it uses words like home. It uses words like the most incredible city you've ever seen. It's like the best city rolled into the Grand Canyon in one. It's like that. It describes heaven as this gorgeous, beautiful paradise. You've been places where you think you've seen paradise. You just saw a glimpse of paradise. That's what heaven's like. Heaven's described as community. It's a place where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. That's heaven. It's community. It's a place of incredible worship. It's a place of life with the one who loves you most, Jesus. That's heaven. And so when you give everything, everything to the resurrection, what you're doing is you're giving all your joys, all those things you just love about life, and you give them to the resurrection knowing that everything you would love here is just, it's just a foretaste. It's, it's the appetizer, the main course. And everything good that you love here is all the more sweeter because you know, this is just the beginning. This is just the start. This is, this is small compared to what Jesus has in store for me. But you can also give your hurts, and your tears, and your anger. We see Psalm 22 quoted twice during the crucifixion of Jesus. John quotes it. He describes a soldier's gambling for Jesus' clothes. Gambling for his undergarment. And Jesus himself quotes Psalm 22 when he's on the cross. He says the first line of Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Have you read the Psalms before? If you haven't, I want to encourage you. Because some of the Psalms are angry Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's a cry of pain. The great thing about God is you can be brutally honest with him. He's big. He can handle it. You say, Lord God, I am hurting right now, and I don't know why. And it feels like you don't care, and you're not even there. That's what it feels like. The Psalms do it all the time. But they always did it in light of God's promises. And you can do it in light of the resurrection. Because Jesus Christ died and rose for you. Because Jesus gave up so much for you. Because he gives a, his life for you. You know how the story ends. You know how the story ends. Have you ever like read a book? And maybe a mystery novel, or maybe like an adventure thing, right? And you get really caught up in the book, and you get started getting anxious because you don't know what's going to happen to your favorite character. And you're like, I have to know. So you flip to the back of the book, 
and you read the last chapter? Have you ever done that before? Shame on you. No, have you ever done that before? I have. I'm like, I'm not going to invest this much in this story unless I know it ends well. My friends, Jesus Christ died and rose the grave for you. The story ends well for you. And that's a guaranteed promise of a God who gave up everything so that you might know that you are loved and forgiven and His. Your story? I don't know what chapter you're in right now. I don't know what's going on right now. I don't know if it's a comedy or a tragedy. I don't know where you're at in the highs and lows of this roller coaster, but I know where it ends. It ends well. So whatever you're going through, you give it to the resurrection. Those joys, because they made it all the more sweeter. And those fears and sins and hurts and aches and tears, because they're redeemed by God who loves you so much. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your resurrection. Thank you, Lord, that we can walk with you in the highs and lows of life. That we give everything to you, Lord God. We give you our pride. We give you our self-righteousness, Lord, that you might crucify it and kill it. So that we decrease and, Lord, you increase in our lives. But, Lord, we also give you our hurts and our fears, our sins and our tears. Because you have redeemed them, Lord. You have paid for them. So that we might be yours. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We praise your name. Amen. Amen. Stand and praise our God. <coughs>
Uh, we wanted to, to help out with the mission trip to Cuba. So you'll see tickets on sale. There's also an item to bid on for today only, for just for you. It's golf for four. It's a guest at Cordier for the day. Member for a day. Member for a day. Golf for four. Yep. Summit course. Mountain <coughs> course. Whatever one you want. Whatever one you want. And and lunch. And lunch. And lunch. If, you bet, if you bid today, there's lunch. It's got to be good today. Uh -huh. Okay. And then there's a chair and ottoman up there. Make us an offer. Best offer wins. All right. <laughs> Receive the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Huge thanks to our worship team. Thanks so much, guys. Thank you. Awesome. But I also want to let you know on Easter we have a special guest musician coming, and it's a surprise. See you on Easter. Nice. Nice.